With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Chicken chow mein. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the greatest show in the entire universe. It's under the radar. With me, as always, my friend and yours, David Raymond. I love that you turned off the video for the intro when the other two people have left their video on. We turn off the video every show. I don't know why. <laughs> it, well, it's, it's because I, I think you're doing the, the Wizard uh, of Oz thing, where you're just going behind the curtain to do the intro, because doing the intro in front of people is really hard to do. Mr. Van Riper has just killed all the momentum. Yeah, that's what I'm here for. Our friend and yours. I don't even know which one I used the first time for you. <laughs> With us for the very first time, kind of, sort of, Ariel Cohen. How you doing, guys? Yes, it is actually really me. And for some people who don't think I exist, I'm just an impression. I actually am a real person. This is for real. This is for real. This is really Ariel <laughs> Cohen of the uh, the ATC fame that you see on fan graphs and uh, people right. quoting left and right. That's right. How, how you doing, guys? It's uh, I kind of feel like I'm a fourth wheel in this show with... Uh, I, I, every single episode, Ian has shares his conversations, spaghetti and fish sticks, you name it, you know? <laughs> you got to stop telling him things, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think he calls me just for material, really. <laughs> That's what it is now. <laughs> oh, man. Good show today. So Ariel's here. Uh, we're obviously gonna, I think as we go along in the show, we're just going to pick up some, some nuances of how he does what he does, how he comes up with his, uh, with his projections. You know what some of these players are looking like. I wanted to get into the Reds. I've, I've just been like completely obsessed with the Reds, and I'm going to drag everybody down with me because you know the day all those trades started happening, everyone was just oh the you know the real baseball people were like oh the Reds is the worst thing ever oh my god. But if you look at the Reds, they actually have very good fantasy assets. I think, um, and I wanted to pair them with the Guardians and try and make a team out of just the Reds and Guardians and see what that would look like. Um, we'll talk some trades. We'll talk some guys at the end of the uh, the forty man rosters. Um, but I do it like. Ariel, I do. I want to start with this because I think this is a very cool footnote to history that nobody knows about. You and Derek Cardi shared a team last year in the GDD League, and I thought it was just like because you know when you go to Fangraphs, you see Steamer, you see you, you see Cardi, you see the Bat, you see ATC, and I just thought it was kind of like how did you two are you do a are you doing it again this year and b how did you two come to consensus on value? This is an auction league. This wasn't even a draft. This is an auction. Yeah, I mean, uh, of course we're doing it again. We, uh, I think we took third place uh, in in the uh, GDD league. Yeah, but I mean, uh, you know, as if there's two things. There's the the projector, the ATC projections guy that I am. There's the fantasy analyst, and then there's the fantasy baseball player. And for me, I see myself number one as a fantasy baseball player. Is how to actually get the guys I want with the values that I have. And in terms of you know what I what I do to share a team with Derek Cardi, I mean Derek Cardi is a great guy to work with because he can agree on the plan and he has some great projections over at the bat and I've got some great projections over at ATC. So we sort of blended the two and came to an agreement of all right, here are our values. Let's share projections. Let's 
put weight 50-50 on each, each of them. And we generated some numbers, and then and then we did our work, and we nominated guys who we thought uh, would either go for a low price when we wanted them or a high price when we didn't want them. And uh, we suckered everybody into buying things. We hypnotized the crowd best we could online, <laughs> and, uh, and there you go. And we beat Ian Khan also in, it was in that league. I do have to make sure, now that he's not on the show today, that I did beat him in GDD last year. That's all that matters. Did you like, so were, were you like, hey, listen, Derek, like before the draft or the auction, were you like, hey, Derek, listen, like I really like, I want to go hard after, I don't know, like Devin Williams. Like I want to go seven bucks. I know our projections only say like 4.7. Is that like, did you, did you pick, did you each pick like some guys who are going to be like your pet projects that you were like, I'm going to go extra and you can't stop me kind of thing? I mean, you always want to to stick to at least for me. I always want to stick to my values as much as possible. But yeah, I, we we did some discussion before, and I said, listen, you know, I think that the projections are wrong for this guy. I think we should bump him up two dollars. Of course, you know, you do that. And uh, he had some of his guys. Uh, he's more, believe it or not, he's more strict to his values than I am. I'm a little bit more. Hey, if you need to get that guy for extra dollar, I remember at the very top we bought Max Scherzer, and it was two dollars over our values. And I said, Derek. We're going to take Max Scherzer right now. That's it. I'm pressing the button. Bing. And he's like, why would you do that? Don't worry. We got it, Derek. And Scherzer was the best pitcher in baseball last year. So I'm glad that my button was not stuck. And I, bink, there you go. Right off the bat. I want to, <laughs> I'd like to have him on the show next and see what he felt about that. <laughs> Diver, is that how you, have you ever done partner auctions? It seems like you're a lone wolf a lot of the time. Just, just Derek Van Riper, no backslash another name. I have only played in snake drafts with co-managers because it's I, I find it to be a lot easier to sit there, especially if it's in person. In person, NFBC, sitting at the table, kind of scribbling stuff down on paper. If you can't really talk to each other because the people next to you might steal your pick, I found that to be a pretty easy way to go because you can do a lot of prep in advance and, and have a plan and know when you're probably going to address steals and saves and all the different problems that we're talking about throughout draft season. I've never been bold enough to sit at an auction table with someone else because I I need control. Oh. I, I need control of the, no, no, of the no. plus ones. I need control of the jump bids. I need to be completely in my own headspace. I can't I can't share the ball in an auction. No, no, it's so much better with the, with a partner in an auction. Because remember, you, you know, there's a lot to do. There's the bidding, there's to know who to nominate, tracking statistics, what players you need. I really suggest you play with a partner. I, I, Ruven Guy is my partner in most of the leagues that I play with. And as long as you have one person in control fully of the actual bidding, you have you split jobs. I mean, Ruven takes the closers. What closers are available? What nomination do we need next? Uh, That's I'm more of an the- assistant, though. That's more of an assistant than a partner, though, is what you're talking about. Um, no, 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 it's not because you're, Ariel, you're coming, no, let's call it what it is, man. Come on, let's call it what it is. <laughs> you're coming together, you're sharing ideas, but you have different jobs during the auction. And especially online, I find that it really helps because, you know, when you're in person, you're sitting there and you're looking at your numbers. And when you hear a guy nominated, all right, you're looking at your stuff. But when you're online, not only do you have to look at your stuff, you have to look at the second screen to see who's bidding, right? There's nobody, uh, there's, there's no volume that says, and next person up is Mookie Betts. Like there is no audio. You just hear going once. And you're like, wait a minute. Who who was just up there? Uh, oh Mookie, oh, let me look at my stuff. Right? There's too much to do in an in online. So try it, try it. Try doing an online the partner. I really suggest it. By the way, shout out to Ariel's podcast, Beat the Shift. I figured I'd drop that in there. If you like what you're hearing, um I you know if, <laughs> I I wonder how many people are listening to this and being like, I'm, st- I'm not sure this isn't Ian still. 
And he's just gone too deep. But it is, this is the real Ariel Cohen. He's the real host of the Beat the Shift podcast with Ruven. Um, I, you can find like find it on Apple Podcasts and stuff, right? It's not hosted. I should know this, but like you'd rather people just go to Apple Podcasts and do it, yeah. right? Yeah, just go to Apple, presented by Fangraphs. But yeah, just uh, subscribe, download, and just click on every single episode for the last two and a half years and download all of them. <laughs> that would really help. Thank you. Um, it looks like I think Ian snuck into our rundown. And uh, yeah, you know what? Give Ariel some five star reviews and tell him just write Marty Decker sent me. <laughs> It'll be nice, a nice thing to do. <laughs> um, it, uh, Ian looks like he put some stuff down to the bottom of the rundown, and I just want to get this one out of the way real quick. Uh, Award winning tuna? Question mark. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, after the fish sticks and spaghetti, which I don't know how that made it onto your show last time. I have a pretty good idea how that made its way onto the show. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I spoke to him and I said, you know, if you're going to mention some food, uh, when I was in elementary school, we had to submit some dishes and I submitted some tuna fish. I, I mean, I prepare it with chopped onions and with some garlic and a secret secret ingredient that I can't share. And it won the award, you know? <laughs> I'm going to say horseradish. <laughs> They're like, what else? Can- <laughs> RL, man. What- <laughs> you must have had like just a, a ring of smell coming. Like, hey, here's tuna fish, garlic, and onion. <laughs> and onion. <laughs> I'm not sure how tuna fish wins an award, but it did. So I, I have award-winning tuna fish. There you go. Congratulations. We'll get to more. There's more in here, so get excited. Um, but let's, uh, All right, let's talk Reds. And actually, yes. so between the time that I threw together this rundown and today, like I put stuff in here a couple nights ago, um, you know, not a ton has really happened, but one thing that I've noticed, actually two things that I've noticed, and I'm going to take us off the, the track right now, and, uh, you know, DVR has this tradition, you haven't spoken much, so we'll, we'll go to you. <laughs> we'll go to you. Riever San Martin uh, of the Reds and Kevin Smith, now of the Oakland A's, are two, like, you know, every year you hear those names and everyone's talking about them and you see them all over Twitter and they're in a bunch of our columns. Those two guys I'm hearing more than anybody like head and shoulders above anybody else. Um, quick analysis on both of them, please. Well, all right. Kevin Smith has power, has speed, made a swing change in the upper levels of the minor leagues that really got him back on track. And I've been interested in him ever since I saw him on the bottom of the 2022 Keith Law Top 100 list, just because he's old for someone to show up on a list like that. And once I asked Keith about it on the Athletic Baseball Show, he gave me the backstory of the swing change, and I thought, okay, this guy's either major league ready playing somewhere else, or he's an answer at second or third base because defensively, he's a legitimate shortstop. He's got the range and the arm to play short, so you can move over and play third, or if you were on a team like Toronto still, he could play second. Now he's on a terrible team that can give him unlimited playing time at any position. If they get rid of Elvis Andrews or move on from him, he's probably the everyday shortstop, and he does all the things we care about from a fantasy perspective. So I think the the only real concern I have is that the strikeout rate is probably going to jump quite a bit with full-time big league plate appearances, at least initially, because the competition at AAA last year was bad. Injuries galore in the big leagues depleted the depth at AAA. So if you struck out you know, 22 24% of the time at AAA, that's not necessarily a good strikeout rate for the quality of the competition there. I think it's disappointing that it's so obvious that he's a good sleeper now because it was less obvious before when he was sort of half buried in Toronto. I don't know how deep he's he's gotten into the the psyche of every fantasy player. Um like you said like he's yeah, it sucks that he's a sleeper now. 
and but we've seen him in a ton of articles, and we've seen like a lot of fantasy people you know write about him. I'm just trying to pull up his ADP right now over the last, I guess, f- three days. When was that trade? Was that on the 15th on the Ides of March? Uh, Ariel, why do that? Are are you uh, are you jumping him up any rounds or anything? Are you a fan? How how are you doing with his? Let me start with this actually. When the trade went down, what did you do immediately with his projections? How much did you add? Yeah, well, uh, he's immediately added some playing time. I mean, he's a guy who profiles as a light power speed type blend, I think, um, where he can knock in, uh, you know, talking uh, maybe mid-teens homers, maybe get to double-digit steals. And anytime you have that in Roto Leagues, you definitely uh, look at your eye. Yeah, is he going to be able to hit the ground running with the, the first year that Strikeout rate, as uh, Derek Van Riper said, is uh, a little bit high, and I, I worry about these rookies in the first year getting it. You know, you're just thrown into it. Uh, so I'm not really up on him for this year, uh, but in in shall in uh, very uh, shallow leagues, we're talking uh, ale only. You know, for the counting stats, that could be interesting. So you got to watch that. San Martin, uh, he's been great against lefties. Um, he looks like he could be ready. Uh, strikeouts, I would hope, would be a little bit better. Uh, than it is. Uh, the control is not fantastic there. He's um, got to work on that, although he he looked pretty good in up in the majors this past year uh, in the uh, two starts he had. So, it, listen, it, he's going to be able to play. They're going to get him in, and he's uh, definitely got high upside. So not somebody that I would really be looking at to target in your regular home leagues, but those two, I think, check the watch list for me as far as usage. Sounds like DVR is a little more enthusiastic. Listen to this. Uh, Kevin Smith from March 11th to March 14th at NFBC was 693. In the last three days, he jumped up to 441. Sounds about right. That's not counting today. Yeah. So I think he's just going to get Where do you think he ends DVR? Like 350? Well, yeah, 350 probably is where he would top out because as you look at the A's lineup and as every day passes where they don't add more established talent, you're going to convince yourself that he's right in the top part of the order, or at least in the heart of the order, and projections will be pretty solid because of that lineup placement, even on a team that will probably be last in the league and run scored. I think the A's probably have the, the worst offense in Major League Baseball as they're currently constructed, and it's by a pretty healthy margin. Man, poor A's. I got Elvis Andrews on a few teams, but like, like you know, in Tau Wars, I got him. In the, the draft and hold is still going on. By the way, um, and then Vaccaro signed us up for a 30-minute NFBC league, which I may or may not have autoed out on a couple times by accident. <laughs> but it's because he's not texting me, telling me that we're up. I just I felt I needed to air that to you two and everyone listening. Um, Sam Martin's interesting to me. I, I just I, I like I think Legeza likes him a lot. I, I can't remember who's brought him up a couple times. I'm pretty sure it's Legeza. Um, DVR is that someone you're targeting, or are you just kind of like eh, whatever? Because it's he's had these great seasons, then he had kind of like a bad season. And then he had another good one last year, and he, he pitched really well in the Dominican League. Um, looks like he might have a spot open in the rotation. Yeah, he's three-pitch lefty, fastballs, uh, like a high 80s fastball, but he doesn't throw the fastball excessively. He's got a slider to change up. I think the Eno stuff model actually likes him quite a bit, which is you know surprising. That looks at pitch shape and Every, characteristics Everybody and loves him. Yeah, everybody's like, I've seen his name in so many places. I think the problem for me, like he, he's going to be... Maybe like a two-start pitcher for me in mixed leagues. When he when he comes up for those weeks, I'll pick him up, and then I'll probably have to drop him. I just think the ballpark is really difficult for back-end starters to deal with. I mean, is Mike Miner anything more than a streamer 
or talk about him as a member of the Reds now. Like that, I don't. I don't really see a lot there. I, so I think with San Martin, it's just interesting skills, but bad situation. And if everybody else is in, if if he's a lot of other people's late pitching target or one of their late pitching targets, I'll probably miss out for the most part. That Amir Guerra trade that was interesting. It seemed like he was like the heart and soul of that locker room. That was almost kind of like a get out of here. We don't like you move. <laughs> that's that's a question for C Trent. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll have to wait. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, well, Ariel, let me, let me ask you this, though, before we jump into this. Do you think the Reds are a bad team, or do you agree, like, there are some there are some fantasy assets here that you can really, like, don't be turned off by the Reds just because, you know, they, they suck in real life. They have, I would say, a mountain of fantasy-relevant players still. I mean, that mountain, I think, is very flat. Yeah, I think it's... Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, thanks. I, I'm, I'm not really that thrilled with the Reds this year. I think that uh, Jonathan India is really interesting, and I think he's going to continue to uh, show his his breakout. I think Votto, uh, if he stays in the Reds, I mean, they can still trade him, but I think he, he's going to have his one last hurrah and is going to be fantastic again because he's a Hall of Fame player, in my opinion. I think Luis Castillo is going to bounce back. So, uh, you know, he's he's got to, right? I mean, uh, now that uh, Eugenio Suarez is out, out uh, in a way, he can't play shortstop for him anymore. Um, and the guy, um, the catcher, Tyler Stevenson, I think he's a very interesting catcher for two-catcher leagues because he got that batting average, and now with the DH, he might actually come into a lot more playing time. So Stevenson is a sneaky guy. But after that, really not thrilled. Uh, I don't want to really roster Lucas Sims for saves because I don't know what the Reds are doing in their bullpen. Last year, they showed to go more of a committee approach, so I don't like that in the game right now. Uh, and there's nobody else interesting. Tyler Molly, I think, is overpriced. Uh, I know people love him. I, my model shows him at uh, do not buy uh, anywhere near the price, so I'm going to not buy. Uh, and there's nobody else interesting. So Nick Senzel? You, you don't like Nick Senzel? Uh, is Nick Senzel going to not get hurt? I mean, he's... I, I, I love him if he plays, but I have very little confidence that we'll see an extended uh, stint of him. How about uh, Aristide Sequino, now that a bunch of playing time has opened up? He's got a big bat, a lot of home runs. Yeah, he he's the most interesting of the sleepers because he's I mean he's shown that he can hit a ton of homers in a short uh, short stint. Although after he did that uh, a couple years back, the league really figured him out and he just went to zero. So I think the book has been written in short order on him. Uh, so you know if you're looking for a dart to throw for power, sure, but um, I, I'm not sure you're going to get it. Diver, uh, how are you on this Reds team in terms of their fantasy relevance? I like. Do you agree? Do you, are you a little more optimistic? I see a little more value. I mean, I think Mike Boustakis was 
kind of going to be the primary DH before the Eugenio Suarez, Jesse Winker deal. Now he's the everyday third baseman. So it might be oatmeal, you know, low average, big power. But if he's healthy, he could hit 30 home runs as an everyday player still. So I think where he's going, he's worth a late dart. Colin Moran is probably a slightly better hitter than people give him credit for. Good cheap addition, big side platoon DH now. Useful, deeper leagues, not really a 10 or 12 team mixed league guy unless you're streaming him for a couple series at home. I'm kind of intrigued by Jake Fre- Jake Fraley. I always have been. There's power, there's speed. It might come with a low batting average, but the more I look at the the depth guys, the more I think the guys at the top can play more here than they do other places. Senzel is good if he's healthy, but that's a huge if. I mean, they, now he can hit higher in the order if he's healthy with Winker and, and Suarez being gone. So I think that makes Senzel maybe a little bit better of a late dart throw. But you have to know that there's a high, high risk of him missing time. That knee still might not be 100%. Um, so I would say be be careful in your expectations for Nick Senzel health-wise, even though skills-wise there's some underlying things that are are quietly taking shape. How about Hunter Green? No one mentioned Hunter Green here. Uh, just it, It's great. He's got the triple-digit fastball, and the secondaries aren't bad, but I, I worry that it's just going to take at least half a season for him to adjust to big league hitters. I, I think we're talking about a future top 50 fantasy starter, but that's probably not going to happen in 2022. Ah, fun. Ariel, where, where, where do the projections have a Hunter Green right now? Hunter Green I have is a negative $2.8 player. <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> so, now, so let me ask you this. Over the next few weeks before, you know, you get to look at him in spring training, the reports that everybody loves Hunter Green, you know, he's he's – He's looking like someone who might break with the team or at least come up early. And I mean, like, let's say he's pitching four innings and strikes out 10. Um, what do you do? Like, how much do you have to see for you to go in and be like, let me tweak a couple things here because this guy's this guy's going to come and bring it this year? Yeah, I mean, with, with most of these guys, it's more about the playing time. I haven't projected for under 90 innings. Um, if suddenly he becomes thrust into the rotation, then he becomes very interesting because that strikeout rate is definitely viable for, for spot starts on your fantasy team and for deeper leagues. He's viable every uh, every single day. Again, the ballpark is not fantastic there, so your ERA is not going to be helped. Um, and his walk rate is rather high. I mean, he's been in like a 9, a nine almost 10 walk rate, percent walk rate. So, yeah, it, it all depends on the innings for these type of guys. The upside for future years is always there. But in the short term, unless he's in the rotation and, and breaks camp, I'm not interested in him. Let me ask you guys a random question now. I don't know why I just thought of this, but I did. Um, Daniel Bard, I'm grabbing it the very, very, like in the like 40th, 40th round of, of drafts and, the, you know, the, the draft and holds and the 50 rounders and the draft champions. Is like... Am I missing something, or is the rest of the world like he's still kind of almost the closer in Colorado, right? Mm. Is he tremendous um, value? No, I don't think he is. I, I think Alex Colome. If you, if last season never happened, people would look at him and say he's a sneaky good relief signing. And then when he went to the Rockies, people would probably make fun of him for choosing the Rockies. But I, I think he's a reasonably established closer that should take over that job. I think. Even without Colome, I think Robert Stevenson looked better to me on paper, and, and Carlos Estevez looked almost as good. I think Daniel Bard is a great story that he made it back to the big leagues and, and was effective again. Great story. But he's also 36, too, so I, I think durability is a question, uh, just underlying skills, and then, of course, having to deal with Coors. So 
Uh, I'm throwing relief darts elsewhere. In fact, I would throw, instead of going after Daniel Bard, I'd rather take a late shot on Art Warren in case Lucas Sims is in fact hurt because I I like Art Warren's skills a lot. And I think even though the Reds might want to go committee, they might not have enough guys to have a three or four reliever committee. It might just be two guys sharing the role. Maybe it's 25-15 or 30-10 where it ends up being enough for both of those guys to be useful as, as at least third closer options, if not even second closer options. Yeah. I mean, I think that uh, I, I like the fact that these teams that are not really in competition are signing these relievers. Like the the Cubs, they signed a couple of guys over the weekend, uh, over the past week, I should say, uh, because it, when you're down to the trade deadline later in the season, the best commodity that everybody wants is relief pitchers. And if you have Alex Colomay pitching for you and he's just saving because they're just going to gonna throw him in the saves role, right? He's going to close games. And if he's going to compile a number of saves early on, He's going to look really good on paper to other teams, and you can get back a nice haul for him. So uh, I kind of think they're going to go with the more sure thing with the guy with experience just to get the trade commodity up. Uh, th- that's the way I would play it if I was the GM of the Rockies. Yeah, uh, I don't know, man. Thanks. I mean, now that I have Daniel Bard on all of my teams. <laughs> he's gonna... <laughs> if, you're, if you're in a D.C., though, if, if you're in a D.C. Yeah. late, you can take a shot. That's fine, you know. You, you know what it is, too? Like we were, I, I've done a, two of these before the lockout ended, one of them like halfway through. And I hadn't like my saves strategy was grab like an Edwin Diaz early, and then just pick up speculation like Art Warren's later. Yeah. Um, and so I've just been like using you know, the last twenty picks of mine. I think like ten of them are, are relievers. So that's been. I mean, it's probably a waste of a roster spot. But I guess if you're playing for an overall and you don't know who the closers are yet, like what do you do with Kenley Jansen? What do you do with Kenley Jansen, Ariel? What like how how are you approaching this? Kenley Jansen, you buy because whatever team he signs with, he's going to be the closer. Uh, I am more sure of that than having Blake Trinan, who may be in a committee, maybe Jansen signs back, right? If I had to bet which one will get more saves, or at least which one will be afforded the closer opportunity, it's Kenley Jansen. Diver, he's not going to do like a, a Craig Kimbrell, right? I don't think so. I mean, I, 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 I think this is pretty safe as far as a team that would pay the premium for Kenley Jansen would want him to close. I still think if he goes back to the Dodgers, there are fewer guarantees now with Jansen than there used to be because of trying and because of their depth, because it's not a multi-year deal anymore. I would assume if he goes back to the Dodgers to one year deal and man, I think it's more likely he goes somewhere else. They've got a deep enough bullpen. They don't need to bring Kenley Jansen back. Seems like a random Yankees move to make. There's about seven or eight teams where he wouldn't close just because of how good the person they used to close is. And I mean, I don't, I don't think most of those teams would actually commit, I don't know, 12, 15 million, whatever it would be, to bring him in. I keep thinking it's a place like Miami or Texas. Teams Toronto. That if, yeah, Toronto would be a good fit. Toronto would be maybe a little tricky with Jordan Romano, but I would expect him to close if he went there. This is, a, this is I, we're gonna I, like we're gonna accidentally do a slippery slope into closers because now it's making me think of like fourteen other people that I would like. What about Bruce Degraderol? Right? Couldn't he be get some saves there in Los Angeles if they don't sign Jansen? Yeah. It's like I'm, it's a tangled web for me. If they really wanted to go with a committee, I think he could be a part of it. Blake Trinan is just better than their other relievers, though. He's better than Hudson. He's better than Vessia. He's better than Bickford. I, I could see all those other guys having more interchangeable roles. I could understand needing to use Blake Trinan occasionally in the eighth inning if the two, three, four hitters come up. Maybe they do that. But I would love to know, and, and I don't know if anyone's ever written an article about this, how... How often when teams talk about a committee in these last, let's say, five years, have they actually followed through and used a committee that was truly problematic for us as fantasy players? And how often was it just 
uh, you know, the parent uh, just just threatening the kid with a, a small punishment for not doing X, Y, or Z and then not following through. You could write that if you want. I could. A lot of rereading the news. It's not, a, it's not an easy thing to go track down. All right. Ariel, sorry, you're about to say something. Yeah, no, I, I think that in general, uh, I think you, because you're seeing more closer by committees now, in the future, if a team is going to announce we're going to do closer by committee, I'll actually tend to believe it more. Right, because the people are going that way. The Reds did that. The Rays did. The Rays had so many. I think there were like twelve or thirteen guys who had a save last year. I was in the ballpark down in Tampa, and they called me to get warmed up in the bullpen. It was crazy. Ah, uh, <laughs> there it is. We're, now we're really not sure if it's Ian or not. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no. He would be watching them on TV. That's true. He wouldn't be at the ballpark. If he was at Yankee Stadium, he'd, it'd be Ian there. Yeah, <laughs> right. You wouldn't go I to look into every closer's him. eyes. <laughs> uh, so, all right, let, let's let's get out of closers. I'd like to keep this like moving as much as possible into different areas, just because I know people are starting to prep for their drafts, and they, you know, if we get too concentrated, we leave out some stuff they might need to know. So, I want to go right to Christian Posh, um, who you know, it seemed like in early ADPs had fallen out of favor. He was going, I think he was falling to the four hundreds um, as far as NFBC ADP. Now that he's going to Oakland, uh, you know, joining Kevin Smith, uh, it just seems like everybody's on him and he's going to shoot up 100, 120 spots. Ariel, obviously, it's a playing time thing, but do you have any worries about him maybe not being ready for the major leagues? Like, is this, he did look a little overmatched at times. Yeah. He's shown a uh, really bad swinging strike rate in the uh, minors and really bad K rate. So, yeah, I, I do have uh, the, the worry that he is going to be overmatched. I don't think that batting average is going to get any good this current year. I'd be surprised if he hits above 240. But he does have you know a little bit of power, a little bit of speed. He does have fantastic defense. I mean, he, he, he could be a top 10 major league center fielder. And Ramon Laureano is out for the first month or so. So he's going to he's gonna be the everyday center fielder, I think, right? Uh, no one's going to supplant him early on. And if he hits enough, enough, he'll stick the whole year. So I think his, his, uh, his, that first month is going to tell a lot as to whether he's valuable for the rest of the year. But, uh, you know, not only does he strike out a lot, he also t- hits too many ground balls. He's got like a 50% strikeout rate. I-, I do worry about his hit tool. But, again, the defense keeps things in. And Oakland selling players, they might want to try him out all year. I-, I think you can count on him for almost 400 at-bats this year, actually. DVR, you know who I got excited about for a minute was Sky Bolt. Um he was, he's got good minor league numbers. I remember when he first got called up like two years ago. I was like, oh, this guy's actually, I mean, like, yeah, whatever the name, but this guy's actually got uh, some, some talent. I don't think he's going to squeeze his way in, though. Do you? I mean, anything's possible on this depth chart. There's, All right. there's some power, there's some speed. You got to take it with the appropriate grain of salt since it was, uh, you know, well, it's now known as the PCL again, right? They're back. <laughs> They're back. Yeah, that's right. It's not AAA West anymore. Uh, th- those ballparks inflate offensive numbers in a big way, right? It's dry, it's hot, it's altitude, all the things that we've talked about forever. The outfield is bad enough where someone like Sky Bolt could come up, play well, keep a job, and find 450-plus plate appearances. That can happen. Where did you throw that lottery ticket? AL only leagues probably would be the only place for now and maybe the end of draft and holds. But I, I think he's more of a watch list guy. I think that's what Oakland is as a team almost. Just watch what they do for the first week of the season and see if there's anybody who's just playing day after day, whose spot in the lineup is more consistent than other players. Try and figure out of this mess of a roster, 
who's platooning and who's actually auditioning for a, a greater role. I think with, with Pache, it's like, why wouldn't you oh, play him? Oh, Bruzdar, greater role? Sorry, I, I'd never make that connection, so you just said it out loud. No, I've called I've called <laughs> Christian Pache, Pache for like the last five years. It's it's Pache, and it's a really unique name to pronounce. It just doesn't roll off the tongue. Anyway, he, he does have some power. The speed concerns me because he's not been very efficient as a base stealer in the upper levels of the minor leagues. The A's are going to have so much of a, of a hard time scoring runs, though, that even someone who's bad at stealing bases might get green lights. They might just say, try it. We don't care. Learn. Learn on the job. And yep. as Ariel said, the defense is so good. You can play him every day in center field. He makes your pitching staff better. Just see what happens. There's no downside to giving him a long run of big league playing time this year. So I think his playing time is relatively safe compared to a lot of the other guys that you know, compared to like a Billy McKinney. Billy McKinney gets what, a month, six weeks. Yeah. If he hits, he stays. If he doesn't, he goes, and someone else that they claim off waivers probably comes in on that roster spot. And I wonder if that's sort of where Sky Bolt is at, too. It looks like he's out of options. So if he doesn't make the opening day roster, he's got to come through waivers. That might delay him coming back. You know, All, all those types of things have to start being factored in as well. I, I think Sky Bolts, though, he's this guy that, if you look at his numbers, he's been in the big leagues, like I don't know, two or three times for a couple days. Doesn't even have 100 career big league plate appearances. What he has done in those plate appearances is, is awful, right? So you just look at it, 090 average, 116 OBP, 164 slug. Okay, that's not really pointing us to anything exciting, but it's also 71 plate appearances. It's almost like, who cares? Ariel, as someone who has a projection system, this applies to prospects more than guys like Sky Bolt. Does it hurt a player to debut and be bad it seems like not coming up at all is better for a player. And I think the example, a more relevant example might be Bobby Witt Jr. tearing up AAA last year and Jared Kelnick struggling in the big leagues. If Kelnick had just stayed at AAA and had a season similar to Bobby Witt, I feel like the projections for him this year would be better than they are as a player that came up and struggled in the big leagues. And it's kind of illogical to me just because seeing what a player actually does at the top level gives us better information than seeing what a player does at AAA in a year where competition was down in some very hitter-friendly environments. Yeah, and that's a, it's a fantastic question. And before I answer it, I have to say that Skybolt is such a great name. Skybolt right. on my roster. That's like the best name since Socrates Brito. Like you you got to have that guy on your roster, right? <laughs> Your question is very good, uh, and you know it points out one of the flaws of projection systems is that you know the the when you have experience and bad experience, it can be factored in and can be factored in greatly. In projection systems, factor in the most recent year quite a bit. Usually with prospects, though, you're getting some a chunk of the MLEs. So he did have a very decent MLE uh, because he batted 387 uh, in the minors in it last year. Uh, obviously, the major league experience could count more, being that it didn't translate. So yeah, you're right. I think he is hurt, or people are hurt in general, by coming up to the majors and stinking for more than just two plate appearances. However, it helps your playing time projection showing that you have reached the majors, right? So, you know, we can see that, oh, he's in the plans. He's the next backup. So, yes, it hurts the the rate stats, but it actually does help the playing time. And there's often a balance between the two. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. 
Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ariel, let me, like, when you look specifically at Seattle, how are you sorting this out? Because like, I thought they were in a pretty good shape without uh, Jesse Winker coming to town. Um, I mean, how do you squeeze in Rodriguez and Kelnick and, and everybody now? It just seems like they made an unnecessary trade. And I mean, I know it's great. I'm very happy that, that Winker's on this team. But I mean, you got Hanniger now, you got Winker. Um, you've, at some point, they're going to have Rodriguez and Kellen, and probably Kellen, like I assume, would start with the team. Like, how have you been sorting this out without really, like, you know, knowing you're not Jerry Depoto? You don't know, like, what the plan is. How are you, how are you sorting it all out? Yeah, it seemed very odd that they would get an outfielder, being that they have a pretty good prospect uh, there. And now their outfield is full. You got Hanniger, who you're going to play, Kellenick, who at this point you're going to play. Although, you know, if he continues to bat sub 200, uh, it's possible that they'll, you know, send him down. It's possible. Um, and, and of course, now you got Winker. Um, it, you know, knowing Depoto, I can see another trade is in store. You never know with him. But it did seem odd. And I don't know. Does it signal that they need a little bit more time with Rodriguez and the minors? I'm not really quite sure to make uh, this situation. Uh, but, I mean, Winker, he's, he's here to play. I mean, they, they bought him because they value it. I thought, that, I thought the Seattle got a really, really good deal in terms of talent on this team. And they fill the third base hole um, from Kyle Seeger leaving really fast. They do take on some money. But I think, I think this trade is a really good value bonus for them. Wow. Oh, dude, Kyle Lewis. Let's not forget about Kyle Lewis. I told you when you said Kyle, I'm like, oh, yeah, that other outfielder they also have. Oh. I know he's hurt, but I mean, like. Uh, I mean, Lewis is just going to be squeezed. That uh, That's the easy one. You know, he wasn't performing great. They'll just squeeze him. Diver, you know who I grabbed in a late draft and hold? Evan White. Remember him? I do. They're paying him, right? They're, that's the thing. Like, they made such a big deal about how much they, yeah. uh, the, he did the Jonathan Singleton deal. And, uh, man, even like, even fa- Roster Resource has him down below in a colored line. He's not even on the bench. No. He's down in the minors. Well, I think the only way he really fits on the roster is if uh, Kyle Lewis is hurt and Julio Rodriguez is still in the minors. Ty France plays mostly DH, and then you're playing Evan White. I mean, I think Ty France is a good defender at first base, something I overlooked previously this draft season. It was a good call-out. I forget who did it. Somebody on Twitter just reached out and said, hey, he's actually really good with the glove. That'll, that'll actually keep him playing even if the bat cools off a little. White to France, you don't lose anything at first base if White's hitting a lot, but I would think they'd still want to use Ty France somewhere. So do they still trust him at second? Would they play Adam Frazier less? Would they play Abraham Toro less? It, it's possible. It's just, it's weird. It, it was a weird contract. Many, right? They got too many players too. And, and this is a depth chart. Like they fixed that problem. Jerry DePoto, like if, if you're wish casting trades on any depth chart, it's the easiest place to say, well, we need someone to get traded. You do that a lot of places, you're just going to be waiting and waiting and you're never going to get the playing time you need. The move doesn't happen. It's Seattle, the move usually happens. Man, you're right. Uh, Ariel, I got another, another Ian note. Uh, chicken chow mein. <laughs> like chicken all it says. Chow- yeah, it's a, yeah. Yeah, well, we were talking about the tuna, and of course, the other dish that I make more regularly now is uh, chicken chow mein. I've got a really great recipe from my grandmother that I used to cook with her, and uh, now I I cook that uh, quite a bit. I got my wok sitting on my counter at all times, ready to slice up some celery, to dice some onions, put in the pepper. I mean, 
uh, it sounds like a cooking show here, but I don't know. These are uh, weird tidbits that Ian likes to call me about. I don't know. Is this black pepper or uh, chopped up like a green bell pepper? Uh, green or I like the red pepper better, a little bit sweeter. Yeah, red peppers are better. When when your phone lights up and you see Ian Khan, like, why well, are you like, all right, let's, you know, let's guard what I say a little bit now or <laughs> just, hey, it's a pleasure to talk to my friend about baseball for a half hour. How long do these calls last? Um, it could last an hour, it could last 10 minutes, you never know. But uh, uh, no, I, I, it's always a pleasure to talk to Ian. We talk some good baseball. He gets some bits about some cooking and about some other things. And I, listen, I think I make him laugh a little bit. So uh, I think he enjoys that too. You do an Ian Con now? Do you walk around the house doing an Ian Con? I only do George Washington. Very, very seldomly, sir. This is great. This is, I mean... <laughs> what corner of the fantasy baseball world are we operating in right now? <laughs> Imagine clicking on this podcast for the first time today. You're getting you're great advice. 90 minutes into the movie, you've, you've walked in, you're like, what is going on? Is this the usual crew? Is this what they do? How does this work? It might be. You wouldn't know, actually. <laughs> now what we got to do is get Ian to do an Ariel doing an Ian and just see how deep we can get on this. He might be able to do it. He's a professional. He's a professional actor, so you never. Yeah, know. I feel like we've already cracked open his psyche. Might as well just go all the way. Yeah, <laughs> rip it to shreds. <laughs> we got some stuff we can talk about. I don't know if anyone's like Gary Sanchez. I'm part of the crew who doesn't think anything's going to change with him. Uh, maybe he gets out of New York and he, you know, what is he going to do to make him better? He's never hit for average, even in the minors. Going to hit more home runs with more confidence or something? I, I don't know. Now I've got a question to build off of Nando's question for Ariel. Ian talks a lot about the psychology of the game and, and thinking about just how players perform based on different things in their environment. How much do you factor that in, at least in an extreme situation like Gary Sanchez? I mean, you're in New York. You you see the literal headlines every day, aside from reading everything online, too. Gary Sanchez, it seemed like if if the Yankees lost and Gary Sanchez went 0 for 4, the story was somehow Gary Sanchez went 0 for 4. <laughs> it's just, or there was a passed ball or there were two passed balls or whatever it was. It just seemed like he was the guy when things weren't going well, he took a very large share of the critiques for, for what was going wrong. And I just think the pressure of not having that seems like it's going to be a good thing for him. Yeah, there are some players who have difficulty playing in New York. I mean, when he came to the big leagues, he hit the ground running. I mean, you know, we're talking a guy that uh, almost approached 40 homers here. Uh, and, but you know, he's, he's stuck to the, the home run wall. I mean, he's hit, he's hit 33 homers, 34 homers, pace of 27 homers. He's a guy that knows what to do. And, yeah, maybe, maybe the batting – maybe the defense got to him. I think, I think it's less New York and more the defense. And when you're a major league catcher, defense is a big thing, and that's not one of his strong suits. Um, you know, I don't know what they're going to do in Minnesota. I know that, you know, Mitch Garver was not a fantastic defender. And uh, Jeffers was the better one, so they split time, and he learned, and he got he spent a lot of time in the defense, and maybe Minnesota thinks that they can figure out his defense in an easy way, so it doesn't affect his his batting. And so, yeah, the the projections guy in me just says, okay, he looks the same, just lose three homers, not being Yankee Stadium. But I think the change of scenery could mean a lot with Gary Sanchez, and so uh, I have no problem drafting him. I have him on a couple of my rosters already. Um, if you know, if people don't want to pay the extra buck for him, uh, he's definitely one of the better 
first catcher options late, or uh, if you can get him as your second catcher, I think that's a great bonus because he's going to smash over 20 homers, 25 homers, and maybe that batting average gets to 230. If that, that would be a real steal if it does. But isn't that just Mike Zanino, basically? Um, yeah, well, yeah, Zunino, though, you run the risk of batting under 170. Uh, right. But And, and Zunino's not going to be anywhere as good as he was last year. That was a career year. I mean, there's no way he's going to replicate that. DVR, over under NFTs, Ariel owns. Uh, I'm going to put it at 10.5. I have to recuse myself from betting. <laughs> well, come on. You know the answer to this? Yeah. All right, then I guess the answer is going to be zero because he wouldn't have been like, hey, I have 20. You sure about that? I, I saw the rundown, and I saw you said, how many uh, NFTs does Ariel own? And my question is, what is an NFT? I don't know. What that is. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> my son had to tell me, oh, I'm going to get an NFT. What, what's that? Oh, it's uh, something you own. It's like uh, cryptocurrency for, uh, for digital pictures or something. Like, what, what, what is that? More or less. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No one knows for sure. Everyone thinks they kind of know what it is, and we've all agreed that somehow they're worth something, and sometimes a lot. Yeah, no. I don't have any. I don't think I, I ever will. I was about to ask Ariel how many you, you thought you had. I would say zero. How many do you own, Nando? I'm going to guess 27. No, no, I have like... I, <laughs> when Tops when to, when came out, like I think you consider those NFTs the Tops digital stuff. I, I bought a couple... I got a pack of Godzilla cards, uh, thinking they'd be, you know, maybe worth something. And I got a few top shots. Um, I think that's it. I don't know. Oh, no. And I have one of the CNN NFTs, which I found interesting. That's it. Anyway, enough of that. Let's keep it moving. Uh, we don't have a ton of time left. Um, where do I want to go with this? Like, I don't know if you guys really want to talk Lewis Brinson to Houston, if there's any room in that outfield. Uh, Nelson Cruz to Washington, I think, leaves Nelson Cruz the same way. Oh, that's interesting. Him in Washington, I think that's a it's an amazing landing spot for him. He's hitting right after Juan Soto, the best hitter in baseball potentially. I think that that is really going to prop up his counting stats, run production stats. And I think that uh, the ballpark is actually suiting him. And he's got Josh Bell behind him. Josh Bell takes a lot of walks. They're gonna they're gonna pitch to Nelson Cruz. So I think is there any spot that he could land that's much better than that? I think that. Uh, I think that's a fantastic. Uh, 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 listen, uh, he might play until he's 70 years old. So, you know, he's going to be a value every single year. But I want to play pickleball with Nelson Cruz. He has to stop yes. playing baseball if he's going to start playing pickleball. How often do you play pickleball, Derek? About once every other week, I would say. I want to play more. Oh, I, I play like three times a week. I'm, uh, I've, I've actually gotten pretty good at it. I'm, I'm almost a 4-0 in the game. So that's, uh, that's pretty good for somebody who just started playing. That is pretty uh, but good. Yeah, maybe is I'll that have the same the- as tennis? Is it the same as tennis rankings? Basically, like a two, like a two point five is you know you're just a little bit above amateur and a four zero is like most people are in that three five to four zero range. I think meaty part of the curve. It's it's a similar rating scale that, to that. You know, I did play. I, I, you talked about it on the show with Ian. I did play tennis with him, wondering if he's going to come down to where I live and challenge me to a pickleball game. That would be interesting. Does Ian? Ian seems like the guy who hammers his first serve and hits the net about half the time and then has to do kind of like a, a very easy-to-hit second serve. <laughs> no, he's actually pretty good. I was, I was really surprised by how good he was. Um, he, he got the serve in. My serves were, eh, weren't, weren't as good. And second serve, he pretty much just as hard, pretty good. I mean, uh, I, did beat Fra- I did beat Frank Stample in tennis, so I, I'm probably more his level. But Ian is, Ian is pretty good. I, I got to tell you, I was very impressed. 
That's old school Hollywood, man. I like yeah. that there's a, a tennis ladder developing in the fantasy baseball community. It's time for me to start playing again. Hey, how about this? Luke Voigt's a Padre now. That just happened. Oh, oh really? come on, man. Why does that Poor make Otto you sad? Rodriguez cannot catch a break. Oh, <laughs> that's why you're upset about it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it makes no, a lot of garbage. sense. Luke Voigt on the Yankees had no place anymore. Uh, and it uh, looks like they're very down on Hosmer if they're trading for a uh, first baseman, right? They weren't really well built for universal DH. So I, I think you can just have Hosmer and Voigt playing together. I, I don't think that's a problem. I think they. I think the question with Hosmer is how, how little do you play him with the contract? If you can't trade him, do you play him as a part-time guy? Or do you just release him and just eat the money? I think that's still that's still on the table. Maybe it's more on the table now because... It, Voight on a on a per plate appearance basis is a good player. He can be a very productive everyday first baseman. And as a righty, I'm not as worried. I'm not worried about Voight's power in that ballpark in San Diego. I, I worry about lefties going into Petco. But righties, we've seen that park play a lot differently ever since they did some remodeling around it. They changed some things about there's a giant scoreboard in left field. It used to be like really pitcher friendly. Now at least for right-handed hitters, it's closer to a neutral park. Yeah, but you're not getting rid of Hosmer. I mean, he batted 269 last year. That's definitely major league worthy. I mean, he he's almost a batting average plus in, in some in respects. Although the power, I have no confidence in the power, though. I mean, it, it, I'd be surprised if he gets much past a dozen. It's like Colin Moran with a huge contract and yeah. a, a less hitter-friendly ballpark. Yeah, I mean, that contract was pretty terrible the second he signed it. Uh uh, no way that they make up the value. But listen, I think that San Diego back in that day was just trying to attract talent, so they gave out those contracts, and they did. I mean, they, they got Machado, they signed Tati, so you know, maybe it was a contract not for the value, but it was the contract to get people to come in. And sometimes it's well worth it. I mean, I remember when the Mets signed Pedro Martinez. I mean, th- you know, that was, uh, hey, now come, come to us. We're open for business. So sometimes you, you give up a contract that doesn't make the most sense, and uh, it could still be profitable if your team around it gets better. This is gross, man. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd they get? I can only find that they got a single-A pitcher back. Yeah, I haven't seen the return yet. This is, I mean, this is like, so Andrew McCutcheon, when he signed with the Brewers, we can talk about him for a second, but he's all, now he blocks Jonathan Singleton. Like, he just takes more bats away from Jonathan Singleton. And that beautiful story that could have happened. I got to go back and rewrite my deep sleepers column now. I think the, the challenge is... You fish in a very deep part of the deep sleepers pool, and it just takes one move for the you know, the one in 20 chance of that player getting the opening day chance. It takes one move for that to go away. Now, then it comes down to, can they stick on the roster at AAA and be there when something in-season happens? That's what you right. need. You have to sweat that part out now. <sighs> Garbage. Uh, Zach Grinke on the Royals. Let's let's hit that one because I found that very interesting. What I found most interesting about that was not that he signed with the Royals, but that there was zero fanfare and it was just so quietly done. Like all these moves going on, this that the uh, like you you check Roto World and it's like oh by the way you know Zach Grinky signed a one year contract with the Royals. Ariella, like what's Zach Grinky now to you? Who is he? You know he he was always good on my fantasy teams because I loved him for the whip. I mean, I, I like I like pitchers on my teams. I don't really care so much about the strikeouts as much as I do about whip. Because you can always find strikeouts on the waiver wire. You can do two-start pitchers, stream pitchers, and you can build up your strikeout totals. 
But what you can't really do is correct a whip all that much. And I want to have a good whip in the in the beginning of the season so that I can add anybody I want on the waiver wire and not really worry about it. So he was always the best pitcher, always slightly undervalued, and just helps your whip. So to that extent, he is a guy very, very late now that could help your your whip. He's not going to help your strikeouts. I mean, the strikeout rate is, is pretty awful now. I think it's about 18% or so. But, yeah, he's not going to hurt you with the walks. Uh, let, let's let see. Uh, listen, he, he's getting older. His velocity has been down. We know he can pitch when it's down, but let's see how effective he is. He can't give you many innings these days. I don't think he's going to be much of a more than a five-inning pitcher. So the decisions might be low. Like, for, for fantasy, you really need guys to go six, seven innings. He may not—and he's on the Royals, not a fantastic team. He Don't count on him for wins. But I think that if you have a very heavy strikeout team that you're just looking for a little bit more volume— on your bench or your last pick, Grinky's a fantastic pick because he's not going to hurt your ratios for whip at all. Grinky, uh, since the start of March in NFBC leagues, has a 309 ADP, which puts him below Marco Gonzalez, Eric Lauer, you say Kikuchi, um, oh, Jamison Tyon, I like Tyon, Christian Javier, I like him, Patino, Gons. All right, so like, let's just get enraged about those other ones. Marco Gonzalez and Eric Lauer. You really gonna let those guys go before Zach Greinke DVR? Lauer, Lauer's making adjustments and is kind of interesting, but he doesn't necessarily have a rotation spot to call his own. So I, I think Greinke's probably ahead of Lauer for that reason. If you're, you're playing the the bulk game, Greinke just gets used like a regular starter. I am really curious though with Greinke. He has said that last season he was trying to be more efficient and was not trying to strike guys out. I think it was in an effort to uh, just be the the higher volume starter in a very young Houston rotation. And for some reason, because it's Grinky, I kind of believe him. Like it, he's going against Father Time anyway. Like he's 38 now, right? He's he's old. So it's possible that he's also lost stuff in addition to making a one year change to approach. But I wonder if maybe we could split the difference between 2021 Zach Grinky's K rate and the previous two or three seasons worth of Grinky K rates. If he's not going to be quite as much of a drag in strikeouts as it would appear in projections. Uh, I would say of the names you mentioned, Kikuchi is the one that I, I think I'd have a lot more interest in because I think the ratios will be similar, even though the whip's a little bit worse from Kikuchi. But I think the work that Pete Walker's done in Toronto as the pitching coach, the transformational Robbie Ray brings a little extra optimism for me about someone like Kikuchi who has flashed some signs of maybe giving us the best results we've seen from him yet in the big leagues. I thought it was coming last year. A little bit of a late season slide from him kept that from happening. Maybe it's going to be 2022 for Kikuchi to pitch like a top 40 starting pitcher. Ariel? Yeah. Are you a Kikuchi I, guy? Um, Kikuchi's okay. I actually like Marco Gonzalez a little bit better because uh, decisions. Marco Gonzalez, I think, has... One of the top number of decisions over the past three seasons. He gives teams length, the innings there. And he's not the number one starter anymore, so he's even less pressure than anything. Um, He's a guy that's going to hover around four ERA, maybe a little bit higher, but he's giving you decisions. And um, it's more important than you think in fantasy is guys who go long. So I'm actually a Marco Gonzalez guy. Kikuchi, though, is, yeah, he's a little bit interesting. Um, I'm not in love with him, though. I, I I think I'd really consider Granke more, even. Oh, no, so would I, actually. That's why I was uh, confused. I don't know. To me, Grinky's still a little bit Zach Grinky. you know? Call me crazy. Yeah, I mean, great pitchers 
are great, no matter where it is. You don't learn to throw, you learn to pitch. And Granke has been dealing with lower velocity for the past couple of years, yet he still remains very viable and an integral part of any staff. So he's just a fantastic guy. I, I, I really do enjoy him pitching. Man, you know, uh, Jackson Cowar, and I know we've got to end this in a second, but like I've been just uh, bumping him up like 60, 70 spots. I think we're going to hear a lot of good stuff from him. I, we already heard one good report about him. Uh, in spring training so far about how well he's throwing and how good he looks and how he looks like a major leaguer and all that. But if you dig back in his stats, like he's he's a guy who's not getting a lot of buzz at all and could just start being amazing right off like right from day one, I would think. Um, really quickly, uh, Diver, we'll start with you. Are you a Jackson Coar guy or is this like a fool's gold? I think anything's possible with that group of young starters just because they've got a lot of talent they've amassed, but the the pitcher I like the most, if we're not talking about Grinky, we're not talking about the relievers, is actually Carlos Hernandez. It's Ian, Ian's guy. Four pitches, velocity, uh, the least amount of, of, of prospect hype of, of the pitchers that are all vying for spots there, but I, I thought he passed the eye test. Stuff models like him too, and I could see him emerging to be their best fantasy starter after Grinky this year, and it, it just wouldn't be that surprising. He's got to bring right. got to bring the walk rate down from where it was last year. I think the K's are going up no matter what happens, but if the walk rate comes down, we're going to be real happy with Carlos Hernandez. Ariel, where are you on this? I like Carlos Hernandez also. I think there's a lot of upside. You know, in general, I think that there's room for the Royals for pitchers. I mean, they traded away Mike Miner on the team, who could have been their starter, maybe yep. because they have faith in what's coming or they want to test out what's coming. Um, I, I definitely see their – I think Cower will get some shots this year. Uh, I really do like Carlos Hernandez right. I think Ian is right on, on that guy. Uh, he's definitely Chris Bubich, you guys love Chris Bubich, right? Chris Bubich? Uh, no, <laughs> not really. Right. No, I, really, I, he, I, you know, he had very good minor league numbers. I, I like Hernandez, Coar, and Lynch more than Bubich, Keller, and Brady Singer. I like, I like Singer. I like Singer more than the other part of that last group too, for whatever that's worth. But that's that is not to say that I actually like Brady Singer. I just like him more than the other options. I don't know how you guys like Carlos Hernandez that much. I would after Ian started talking about him a little bit, I was digging around and like very unimpressive minor league numbers. Just kind of has that common card name. I don't know. <laughs> For me, it was just kind of like, uh, I mean, like you, I can, I can, okay, fine, three point eight seven ERA, which he never even had. You know, he was hovering above uh, until he finally got to Kansas City. But I mean, like that's cool with me, and like a one point two six WHIP. That's cool with me as long as your K per nine is like ten point six. Yeah, but um, how many yeah. four pitch starters are there that average ninety seven on their fastball? I mean, that's just that's a short list of pitchers. Yeah, but he's never done anything with it. Uh, he's still young. Still got time. Uh, is he yeah. still young? He's twenty five. Yeah, it's pretty young. I mean, you know, Hernandez bombed. He had a really bad start against Oakland, where he gave up seven runs, like literally, like his second to last start. Um, other than that, he had a streak of two months going where his ERA was 1.68. Um, you know, I think that he's he increased the strikeout rate a little bit more. If he can get rid of some of those walks and sustain that. And I, I think Hernandez has he has streakiness in him. I can see him going in a nice run where he just dominates for a good month. And you'll want to be on. See, the nice thing about about fantasy baseball is there's streaks, right? If you can catch the players on their good streaks then you're good. So you don't have to have a fantastic player all year round. You can sometimes get players hot. 
Carlos Hernandez is a great example of that. Uh, so definitely, if you don't have him on your roster and if he's available on waivers, just track how he's been doing. And if you just catch him on, oh, wow, he had a nice six innings, one-run performance, you might want to pick him up for the next start because he could be going off. That's all I'm saying. We got to go. We got to wrap it up. This is fun, Ariel. Thank you for doing this, man. Thank you for stepping in for Ian. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so honored to to step in. Big shoes to fill and really great to be a part of the uh, Under the Radar podcast. So thank you. Uh, well, you know, beat the shift. Check it out. I mean, I'm sure, look, it's not like you're a stranger to this show, uh, even though you've never been on it before. <laughs> so I think, I'm sure people have Googled your name enough to know where to find you. Um, but uh, yeah, let's let's uh, get out of here and let DVR figure out how to title this episode. Uh, for the man who's still not sure that the man parading as Ariel Cohen isn't going to rip off a fake nose and wig and reveal himself as Ian Khan. Jack Arriva! thought that was going to be Ariel's exit. No, thanks for joining <laughs> us, Ariel. <laughs> for the man who's not sure he's Ariel Cohen for real. Ariel Cohen! That's me, I'm sure. Thanks, guys. Thank you all for joining us. We hope you had a lovely time. Good luck if you're drafting. Better luck if you're trying to sort out all these ADPs. Goodbye!